intentional a time of giving of thanks. And uh, I'm trying to, trying to think of different ways we can do that. I, I don't mind just doing it the, the traditional way. Yes, I want to. But I like to spice stuff up. <laughs> and so uh, we, might, we might do it a little differently. There's no, there is no patch in Pee Wee and there's no teen church. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean stay home. Okay, that, that doesn't mean, it's okay, it's okay. Okay, I'm going to start calling names. It's okay, it's all good. Um, that doesn't mean, oh, well, they don't have a kids program. No, we do have a kids program. It's called, they need to know how to give thanks too, and they need to see their mom and dad give thanks, and, and it's good for them to be here. So it'd be great uh, to be together on Wednesday night, or excuse me, ugh, Tuesday night. Um, so uh, looking forward to that, and uh, just keep that in mind. And I hope you have a great time with your family. But Psalm 136, we're uh, in preparation for Thanksgiving. And so this is a great psalm. Look at, look at verse number one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. You don't have to pay a whole lot of attention to notice. This is a recurring theme in this chapter. Verse 2, O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt and their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it. For his mercy endureth forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings. For his mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings. For his mercy endureth forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel, his servant. 
for his mercy endureth forever. An amazing transition is made from verse 22 to verse 23. It's subtle, but it's amazing. The psalmist goes from the past tense to the present tense. And that transition of tenses is preserved for us today because it's just as true for us today. Who remembered us in our lowest state? For his mercy endureth forever and hath redeemed us from our enemies. For his mercy endureth forever, who giveth food to all flesh. For his mercy endureth forever. O oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Father, your mercy does endure, and so our gratitude should as well. So would you please bless the sermon tonight, and may it just be a, a reminder of your goodness and of our, of our responsibility. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. The, the title tonight, it, A Life of Gratitude, but more than that, what you could call this one is Enduring Mercy. Enduring Mercy. 26 times is the number of times the phrase, His mercy endureth forever, is referenced. In this chapter where the mercy of God is displayed very beautifully and yet honestly still very briefly you could say a whole lot more about the mercy and the blessing of God it's bookended by this idea that because his mercy endures we should be acting or we should be active in the giving of thanks now I believe this as Christians as children of God we are called to a life of gratitude so many times being thankful or giving of thanks is limited or confined to a moment. We're thankful when we get a raise. We're thankful when we get a good report from the doctor. We're thankful when things go our way. We're thankful when our wife is in a good mood or we're thankful when our husband remembers to pick up his laundry or to take out the trash or we're thankful when our kids are doing what they're supposed to and parenting feels easy or we're thankful when we're always making right decisions or we're never messing up or we're never failing. And, and so many times we have, it in our, we have it in our minds, it's just kind of a ingrained in us or a part of our nature that we're thankful when things are the way that we want them to be. But that's not the life that God calls us to. That, that's not the attitude that God calls us to. That's not the spirit that God calls us to. That's not the level of spirituality or maturity that God calls us to. We are called, we are expected, 
And from this chapter and many other places, we have reason to always be in a spirit of thanksgiving. That does not mean that everything is always easy. That doesn't mean that in addition to the thanksgiving, we have requests. Because the book of Philippians deals with that. Paul says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So this isn't a message that you should never have a reason to cry out to God. This isn't a message that you should never have anything in your life that you want to be different. This isn't a message that you should never have some kind of goal that you're asking God to help you achieve if it's in his will and his design. That's not what this message is about. This message is about that regardless of what that list of God, would you do this? Regardless of what's happening on that list, on this list, you always have reason to be thankful. Mm. No, you always have reason to be thankful. Well, pastor, you don't know about right. I don't. And sometimes this list of this hurts, this is hard, this isn't fair, I'm devastated, I'm broken, I want this different. Sometimes that list is long and overwhelming and intimidating. But there's another list that we so often forget to look at. This is the list of we wish it were different. God, would you make it different? God, would you help me? God, would you provide? God, would you restore? God, would you change? God, would you raise up? God, would you open a door? But in, in looking at that list, we forget this list, which truthfully, it doesn't feel this way, but it's true. This list is a whole lot longer than that list. And you know what this list is? Summed up in a phrase. His mercy endureth forever. It endures when it endures. It endures when you're healthy. And it endures when you're dying. It endures when your loved one is healthy. And it endures when you're watching your loved one die. It endures when you're holding a new life and dreaming. And it endures when you're standing beside a casket. It endures when your marriage has never been stronger. And it endures when you're in the shambles or the brokenness of a lost relationship. It endures when you're living out victory. It endures when you're trying to recover from a failure. It endures when your finances are doing great. And it endures when you don't know how you're going to buy a jar of peanut butter. It endures, that mercy endures when things are going wonderfully in your career trajectory. And it endures when you have no idea how this is going to work out or why this is happening now. It endures regardless of who is ruling, who's in the Oval Office, what is going on in this world. His mercy endureth forever. And the psalmist was concerned that God's people in his day and God's people in every day remember that. So he gives us three examples of how his mercy endures. Number one, we see the evidence of his mercy enduring forever. Oh, wait, I want to give you this quote. It's really good. Charles Spurgeon said this. It can never be spent, speaking of God's mercy, and it can never be exhausted. Okay, you know how you go into a, like a place like Wahoo's or some kind of arcade area 
or something like that, and your kids, get a, your kids can get a card with, okay, you have $10 on this card, or you have $20, or if grandma's there, you got way too much money on that card. You know what I'm talking about? And then they just play all that stuff until their eyeballs are popping out from the overstimulation. You give them those cards, and then eventually, it's spent. Daddy, I don't have any more money on my card. Sorry, let's go home. Praise the Lord. Because <laughs> daddy's got a headache. <laughs> you, can, you can run out. And even the kids, they understand. They start walking around. And, and at first, when they're young, they're like, they, they have no concept of it. They're just swiping that thing on everything. But as they get a little bit older, they realize, man, there's, only, there's a limited number of times that I can swipe this card. If God's mercy is on a card, you can never swipe it too many times. Now you swipe it, and there will always be a balance from which you can withdraw. Oh, that's good. No, you need to get that. No, you, you know what it's like to have a card declined. You know what it's like before you go. You're like, I need to make sure I got that money in the bank. I need to make sure when I use this debit card, or I need to make sure that when I pay this bill. You know what it's like to date a check? It's not there right now, but I think it'll be there in a couple of days. You, some of you know what that's like. You can never overdraw or overdraft the mercy of God. You say, I messed up yesterday and then I messed up again today. You're not going to bankrupt his mercy. You say, I was having a hard day last week and now I'm having a hard day for the same reason again this week. You're not going to overdraw on his mercy. It doesn't matter what it is and it doesn't matter how hard it is. You say, I went through a difficulty a couple of years ago and it seems like sometimes out of nowhere the pain just comes up. It seems like I get over this need and now I have another need. You cannot overdraft the mercy of God. Man, this is good even on a Wednesday night. Like, man, I'm just really discouraged and it seems like I should be making progress. Well, maybe you should be making progress. But guess what? His mercy isn't dependent upon you making the appropriate amount of progress because his mercy doesn't depend on you. It depends on his character. It doesn't depend on your maturity or your improvement. I wasn't even planning on getting hung up on this right now. But this is really good. You can't overdraft the mercy of God, praise the Lord. Man, this is good stuff. I feel like sometimes we just get so frustrated with our own struggle, the, the repetitive nature of our humanity, and how it's so hard for us to get over cycles or over ways of thinking or to have victory, or we can get frustrated with one another. Can I tell you, the mercy of God, it's like a bank account that will always have enough. It's like the Energizer Bunny that just keeps going and going. You cannot ask too much or too many times for, too much of, or so much from that God says, I just can't supply that. His mercy is always enduring. Brothers and sisters, it was there before you were even a thought. And it's going to be there when you're in heaven praising him with the angels. His mercy endureth forever. Here's the evidence in this text. Number one, his greatness in making creation. I love this, verse number four, who alone doeth wonders. Don't you love the enthusiasm of little kids? Daddy, mama, look what I did. Look what I made. And you're excited for them. Man, I, I get annoyed 
with how impressed with ourselves adults get. Like Nebuchadnezzar in the hall of his great kingdom. Look at me. Like the rich man, soul, you have laid up much. Like the fools at the Tower of Babel who refuse to obey God. And we will make ourselves a name and we will not be dispersed. All right, with all of the things that can impress us, man, there's only one who doeth wonders, and it's God. Everything that we're able to do that's impressive, and I am impressed by a lot. Man, I'm driving on the interstate, and when you get, when you get uh, west of the, the Karcher exit, you, can you see that interstate expanding, how beautiful that looks? Oh man, for, for the folks that live with me on the far west side, nice. Like man, for far too long the 1A's had all the three and four lanes. We need to get some of that three and four lane action on the 2C side, hallelujah. Can I get a witness? Man, it's good. I'm impressed with what goes into that. Building bridges, building underpass up. I think it's cool. I don't know how to do that. Look, I'll complain about traffic flow. I don't know how to do stuff. That's impressive. You know what none of those engineers have ever done? Created something out of nothing and then made it last. No, no, I can build stuff. But you build stuff out of stuff that already existed. That somebody else studied before you came along to tell you how that stuff worked. How that stuff worked. And so everything that we're doing is just building on something that someone else has already done. And then you just keep going back until you say, wait a minute, someone had to start it. There had to be a beginning. And it's God that doeth wonders. And the wonders that he's done, they just keep going. You know, it's the sun. It keeps going. Like, man, our culture has done this. There's all-time high anxiety among millennials and younger about whether or not the environment is going to last. Please understand this. We are not big enough to wreck God's creation. No, we can damage it, and we can mess it up, and we can be irresponsible, and we cannot take care of it, but that sun rising and those stars being in their place and that moon and the tide and all of those things, God is handling that because that doesn't depend on what you do with fossil fuels. That depends on, he said, let there be and there was. Man, I'm having fun now. This is good stuff. By wisdom he made the heavens. He stretched out the earth above the waters. He made great lights, the sun to rule the day, the moon and the stars to rule the night. And just like a little child comes and says, Daddy, look what I did. Can I say to the children of God, as one of your spiritual siblings, look at what our daddy has done. Man, his mercy endures. Like I I just don't see evidence of God's mercy in my life. You feel the warmth of the sun. You benefit from a system that produces clean air over which you have no control. You breathing in and benefiting. That process was created for you to exist. You know why life on earth is possible? Because God wanted it to be. No, this is amazing. This is amazing. God made earth for us. No, that's how much he loved us. Like, why are all the other planets like they are? And then this is like, because the God who alone doeth wonders 
said, I love people. Knowing what they'll be, I still love people, and I'm going to make a place where they can grow and flourish and build and inhabit and make something of. And he alone doeth wonders. The endurance, the endurance of his mercy is evident in creation. Number two, the endurance of his mercy is evident in making a nation. Verse 10, to him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them, where his mercy endureth forever. Israel was, before this moment took place, was a bunch of descendants of a dude named Abraham who migrated to Egypt through God's providential work in the life of Joseph, and they reproduced rapidly and then became a bunch of slaves. They were an oppressed, unconcerned for group of people. And then God said, let my people go. Well, why did God choose them? He told them why he didn't choose them. It wasn't because you're great. And it wasn't because you're better or bigger than anyone else. It's because. It's because I love you and I have a purpose for you and I have, a, I have a desire to use you to make my goodness known, not just to you, but in you and through you to all nations. As he said to Abraham, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And this was a part of that process of positioning them and utilizing them for that purpose. So he delivers them from a world power through miraculous means. And then he guides them through the wilderness in verse 16. And this is what's amazing. Their journey in the wilderness initially was only supposed to take about two years. You go through the Red Sea, boom, amazing. They had no way to defend themselves against Egypt. God opens it up, dries it off, leads them through, leads the Egyptians in, takes off their wheels, and done with the Egyptians. And then he takes them and prepares them and shows them that I can provide water out of a rock. I can provide quail. I can provide manna. I can keep your shoes working. All of those things he does it. And then he leads them to the promised land and they rebel. And you know what God didn't stop doing? He didn't stop guiding them. Oh, this is a good point. Have you ever felt like you messed up so much that God was just like, I can't guide your life anymore? You ever felt like that? It felt like your attitude had been so bad that God's just going to kind of leave you to yourself forever? You ever felt like you got so caught up in a habit, or you got so caught up in a direction that now I'm done with you? God continued to guide his people even through his correction of his people. Oh, God doesn't cast away his people. No, I understand, and he sends them into captivity and casts them off, but not forever. And even in, even in correction, he's still guiding them. And then in verse 17... He delivered great kings, famous kings, and their lands to Israel. Israel exists as a nation. And they were tiny among the nations and of no consequence, but because God's mercy endures and because he had a purpose for them and through them to bring the Messiah into the world, God brought them out and raised them up and gave them a land their own and made them a great nation. The great manifestations of God in the past are a wonderful reminder of his mercy. But here's the truth. The mercy that endured in the past 
is no help to you today if it remains in the past. What good does it do to, for us to tell our children about Daniel in the lion's den? Of David and Goliath? Of Peter being restored after he denied Christ? What good does it do for us to talk about the mercy God showed to Abraham when he was about to offer Isaac and the provision he made? What good does it do us to read of the accounts of Ruth and of Esther and of Deborah, what good does it do us to talk about the mercy that was shown to Samson who lived his adult life in rebellion to God in the way that his parents had raised him and still God used him to bring about victory and showed him mercy? What good does it do us to talk about the three Hebrew children? If the mercies of the past are confined to the past, then they are nothing but tales by which we can motivate some encouraging thoughts, but it really is of no benefit to us. If that God is not still God. And that's why there's such an intentional transition from the past tense to the present tense. It's like the author. And there's uncertainty about who the author is. The different historians are divided over this. But it's like the author, whichever author the Holy Spirit, because that's the main author, inspired Whichever author it was, whichever human author, it's like he took these two big moments. He took the moment of creation and he took the moment of Israel's becoming a nation. And he said, look at all the mercy that was on display. And now look at your life. And let me talk about you for a moment. Because the God of mercy in the past is the God whose mercy is still enduring in the present. And if his mercy could cause a sun to shine, and if his mercy could raise a nation up, then his mercy can do great wonders in your life. Notice verse 23. He remembered you in your lowest state. You and I were lost and dead in sin. We were needing a savior. And Jesus came. <laughs> and he saved you. This is, look, I understand we're tired. I would be tired too if I were sitting there. But I'm not sitting there. So fight it. Fight it. You're saved. No, I'm not, I'm not for gambling. Cha-ching. Lottery. You already won it. But you didn't win it on your behalf or some kind of risk you took. You won it because Jesus came down and gave himself and made a way for you to be saved. Man, when you were lost and dead in sin, he did not despise you. You ever been to a, you ever been to a thrift store looking for something, and then you find something that kind of fits the description of what you're looking for, but then you think, that's way too messed, messed up and broken, and has too many missing parts for me to be able to utilize that. It's not worth the cost. Jesus didn't save you because you were so valuable. He saved you because of how much he loves you. And he remembered you in your lowest state. Sickness. Broken hearts and homes. I, I think about the loneliness. that one of the, one of the most difficult things about suffering, whether it be physical sickness or going through difficult seasons of life, it's the loneliness that accompanies those moments. 
Because you can begin to feel like no one understands this or no one cares or I don't know how long this is going to last or my life's been changed and the way that I want to live my life, I can't live my life. And it, you can almost, more than you should, you can begin to isolate yourself internally and think these things that are not true. And this is a reminder that even in your most lonely, challenging times, God remembers you in your lowest state. God doesn't remember you because you have it all together. God isn't aware of you and concerned about you because you have all your ducks in a row. God isn't sitting in heaven saying, man, I'm going to pay attention to you because I'm impressed with the way you've lived your life. No, he knows the truth about you. He knows the weaknesses about you. He knows the frailties that you have. He knows the spiritual fluctuations that you've had far too many of. And he does not despise you. He doesn't get tired of you. He's not angry with you. He may not approve of everything that you're doing. He may be angry with the way you're living your life, but he doesn't turn his back on you. He remembers you in your lowest state. And, and then he redeems you from your enemies. I was a slave to sin. I was the possession of the evil one. And then Jesus stepped in. And he bought me he redeemed me, which is amazing. We're not going to get into all this, but it's amazing. He already owned me by right of creation. But through sin, I was a slave to the forces of evil. But then Jesus paid the price to redeem me out. And he rescued me from my enemy. You know what's amazing? He keeps rescuing us. Not that we keep getting saved, but sometimes we can get caught up again, can't we? You know what he does? Like Hosea did with his prostitute wife. Just keeps buying her back. <laughs> oh man, that's not a, that's a good truth. My God, I, I don't even deserve to be loved. <laughs> you never did. <laughs> God doesn't love it. God didn't start off loving me because somehow I deserved it. No, he made me worthy of it. And I'm, I, am, I am rightfully loved. Oh, this is so wonderful. I am rightfully loved. I am rightfully redeemed, not because of me, but because of Jesus. Yeah. He, un, he, un, he redeems you from your enemies. He stops the mouths of lions. He, un, he undoes the conniving of Haman. He overcomes and works through the miseries of Joseph. He brings and restores life through the terrible suffering of Job. He restores the joy of David after the brokenness of sin. And he even uses death to bring people to himself through the dark waters of, of that valley we must all go through. He brings you up. He brings you out. He brings you through over and over and over again. And one day he's going to bring you home because his mercy endures forever. Verse 25, he provides for all, all flesh. As Jesus reminds us, Jesus cares about all forms of life. All right, look, Pocahontas is dumb. Not the historical figure. The movie Every tree, every pulpit, every cup, every mic has a soul, has a spirit, has a name. Did you ever hear the wolf cry for the blue corn moon? 
Whereas the grinning bobcat, why he grins, you can paint with all the wood. Paint with all the wood. Don't tell Brother Z I did that because he'll be really offended. <laughs> no, you should ask him about it. It'll be hilarious. Oh, I get we can take it too far. But I also think Christians have a tendency to go too far into the other ditch that God doesn't care about anything. Like we can just, we can just throw trash wherever and we can just kill wantonly and we can just do whatever we want to do to have fun because God doesn't care about anything. No, God makes sure flowers grow. God provides for birds. I don't think that means we shouldn't clean out the nest and get rid of them when they're doing damage. I think we should always remember that whatever we're doing, it's a life that God created and he cares about it. No, there's a purpose for it and a use for it. Hey, I'm all about hunting. I'm all about. I am not all about the pointless, I'm just going to kill as many things as I can just to go kill as many things as I can. Because there's a God that created every part of life. No, there's a balance there. No, so you know, you're like, man, pastor, I, I don't want to tell pastor when I hunt. I love it. I eat meat. I love Peter's vision. Arise, kill, and eat. It's a different message. Bacon's of the Lord. And how... Thank you, Lord. Oh, man, I, I'm spending way too long on this. I'm, I'm almost done. Look, you say, well, what, are, what are you supposed to be thinking about all of that? Hey, brothers, look at me. If God put so much thought into making a way for the animal that's in the sight of your scope to making sure that animal has a way to survive until you eat it, <laughs> How much more does he care about you? Those birds that, you, th that are just a pest or a nuisance to you. How much does God care about you? Those flowers that rise up and then die. God has a hand in that. How much more does he care about you? Jesus came to the cross and I understand the burdens are real, and I understand the anxieties can be heavy, and I understand the fears can overwhelm us sometimes. But can, in this moment, can we just stop and say, God, you know I'm hurting. God, you know I'm afraid. God, you know I'm angry. God, you know I don't understand. But if you care for all those things, I'm going to believe that you care for me even greater. And so then he comes to the end. Oh, give thanks. I want to be thankful. Most of all, I want to be thankful to him. So many people I need to be thankful to and thankful for. But more than anything, I just want to be thankful to him. 
for what he's done, for who he is, and for what he does. Present mercy deserves present praise. Well, when is his mercy not present? Then when should your praise not be present? Man, it's not looking good. His mercy endures. I'm hurting right now. His mercy endures. I'm really struggling with someone. His mercy endures. I don't know what's going to happen. His mercy endures. There is never a moment when his mercy is not presently enduring in your life. It may not be the way you want. You've got two lists. I understand that. We all do. God, I want your mercy to look like this, but it may not. But whether it looks the way you want it to or not, his mercy endures. So your gratitude should endure. So can I just ask you a couple of questions? Present mercy deserves present praise. Okay. So what is more consistent from your life? Complaints or gratitude? What is more consistent in your home? Complaints or gratitude? Like, well, I'm not complaining to God. Yeah, but the people of God complained at Moses and God heard it. No, I'm not saying we don't need to deal with things, but there's a difference in confronting and dealing with something and then just complaining and being gripey about it. Can I, can I encourage you, mamas, his mercy is present when your children are hard to deal with. No, they are. Can I encourage you that are laboring men and women in your jobs? His mercy is, is present when your job is hard. Can I encourage you, those of you that are sick, those of you that are watching, his mercy is present when it's not going well. So what characterizes your life? Whether to him or to each other in your setting, whatever that is, present mercy deserves present praise. That's true. I love the idea of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Not just when we're about to eat turkey with our families. Every day, this is present. So every day, this ought to be present. And this is what I believe. If this will become consistent, then this will improve. If I'll start being more thankful towards him, I'll begin to be more thankful with each other. Let's all stand together. Present mercy. It's a great thought. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what you have done. And if I'm just, God, if I'm just thinking about creation and redemption, that's enough. I've got enough to thank you for. Father, here's the truth. I have a marriage to work on. I have children to raise. I have a church to pastor. I have a community to try and influence and reach with the gospel. I have 
I have my own struggles. And I know every person could pray right now and give you their list. Say, God, I'm thankful for creation. I'm thankful for redemption. But I I have all these things. And, And here's what this text reminds us, that the God who created and the God who redeemed is the same God who's working today. And so, God, help us not to think about your mercy as something that you occasionally do. Help us not to think about your mercy as something that was done. Help us to think about you and the the work of your mercy as something that is a daily presence in our life. We don't always feel it, but it's always there. So if you spoke into our hearts tonight, Lord, help us to respond to you in Jesus' name, amen. While Brother Nate sings, if you need to spend some time with the Lord, you do that now.